This show contains movie spoilers and swearing. And welcome back to another episode of Bite Size Cinema. I'm your host, RJ McCready, and for this episode, I'm going to be taking you guys back to year in 1987 to have a look at John Carpenter's Prince of Darkness, which is the start of the 10th of this um, episode. Because I'm super, super excited because I've got two fellow podcasters joining me for the show. It's almost like the planets have aligned. We finally all got together. Um, the first one is my good buddy and now my regular co-host, Dan Bone. Dan, how you doing, buddy? Yo, I'm doing good. Very good. Very excited. Yeah, me too. And the other person joining me today is my good buddy, Ricky Morgan from Rad Movie Rama Halming Short Bus Cinema. <laughs> In the words of Billy Stewart, I think he got it right. Said, he said, "You know what's awesome? <laughs> you know what's awesome? Yeah, short bursts. Yeah." Oh dear! <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Bite Size, uh, Rick. It's uh, good to have you back on the show yeah. again, mate. Absolutely, man. And uh, of course, anytime you and I can get together and, and uh, wax nostalgia, it's always awesome. And just the thrill of finally get to work with Mr. Dan Bone. I mean, this has been. This, this is a big deal for me because early on, even before I was podcasting, I was listening to these guys. I, I know RJ was doing the same. So, yeah, man, this is a it's it's the bro crush, right? <laughs> <laughs> Believe me, it goes both ways, Rick. Believe me. <laughs> well, yeah. I, is this the first time you guys have actually done a, a podcast together? I just it you is. Guys yeah. sort of hooked up before. Yeah. Oh, right. OK, well, there you go. It's uh like I say, man, like I say, it's just good to have these planets aligned and I couldn't think of anything better. And the other thing is, it's it's almost like our festival month, isn't it, for the Legion podcast, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? It's a horror month, you know, Halloween. It's what we all love, isn't it? All three of us love the horror genre, don't we? It's safe to say. Spooky season. What? It's horror. I don't, I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, maybe it's your accent. I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> hey, Rick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Am I, hey, Rick, am I talking too fast? <laughs> no, no. no. You know me, I've always got to play the, the play the idiot, you know. <laughs> hey, I've been doing that for 40 years, Rick. <laughs> There's why we're friends. Well, this is it. Yeah, I think we could all relate to that, mate. That's it. That's why well, still three of us are here today. Um, so very quickly, guys, um, what you been up to, uh, Rick? What you been up to, man? I know you've been busy with your rad movie Rama, and you know what's awesome. I've been listening to your new shows yeah. and all that. Yeah, it's weird because I kind of went through a lull there where I was none of my shows were doing anything, so I created extra shows. And now this week, it's like everybody calls me up and says, "Hey, let's record." So. <laughs> So it looks like for the next, I don't know, 30 days or so, I'm doing nothing but recording podcasts. But 
been busy, busy playing with the band. We uh, played oh, yeah. two gigs this weekend. And uh, yeah, it's just uh, it's it's busy time. So uh, yeah, this is uh, just a, a a lot going on. We've got uh, uh, you know what's awesome is dropping uh, an episode mm-hmm. Tuesday, which will be Creep Show one and two. Oh, oh brilliant! Yeah. Fantastic, yeah, brilliant man. Rad Movie Rama is dropping a special episode with one Court Psyops, huh? which will be Reanimator, <laughs> and then. Uh, Hell Ming is dusting off the boots, and we're going to do the ever-loved, ever-popular, not-so-great Rawhead Rex. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's been a long time coming, Rick. That's been a long time coming. And, um, Rick, when you say court yeah, sites, sorry, mate, when you say court sites, is that you two, like, on a show talking together, or is there this little <laughs> little feud going on, or whatever it is, you know? Yeah. Yeah, just to clarify, it's it's not RoboCourt like what was on the show. It's the actual in the flesh court psyops. <laughs> the poor bloke, he just gets offended. Last time I had Gary Hill on the show, he pretty much told him to fuck off. You know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's taking it from both barrels. <laughs> I think you just like to hear Court swear because Court is just so good at swearing and uh, giving abuse um, verbally. But he's such a lovely guy. But um, I just love hearing him swear. So any oh, yeah. chance to provoke him to swear is just do it. <laughs> yep. He, uh, it makes for a painful editing though when you try to you know keep the language out so yeah. you're having to bleep like every third word you know <laughs> <laughs> oh dear so I've been inside an old 80s uh, computer console isn't it all those bleeps oh dear <laughs> yeah <laughs> but he makes it uh, sound sexy he makes the word fuck sound sexy <laughs> show that's for sure get on call Oh dear. And uh, Dan, what have you been up to, man? I know you've had a new show out. Was it The Omen and Rosemary's Baby you guys just reviewed? Yeah, we both uh, covered that for episode 99 of the podcast on Haunted Hill. Both fell back in love with those classics. It's kind of funny you, you, when, when you review a movie and you, mm. you guys will know this, you know, you, you rewatch something that you thought you knew and you, you fall in love with it all over again. And I certainly did that, especially with The Omen. Yeah. Man, that's such an incredible film. Mm. Um, yeah. A lot of lot of good things to say about both of those films, uh, and they're both well, really well crafted films as well. <clears throat> and um, other than that, just getting ready for the Halloween season, like Rick said, lots of shows coming up. Um, we're drop back. We're getting ready to drop our hundredth episode, so that's pretty exciting. Um, yeah, going to be looking at Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz. So oh, that's really really going to be a lot of fun on that one. And um, also getting ready. We're trying to figure out the logistics of how. We do our Halloween special because the last few years we've done a, a commentary with us just talking absolute nonsense over a, a classic horror, and we yeah. want to do The Exorcist this year. But uh, it's whether it's how we get me and Gavin in the same room with all the coronavirus rules and regulations. So, hmm. <laughs> I'm sure you guys work it out yeah. somehow. Do you know what I mean? I don't know. <laughs> Uh, I couldn't think of a better film for you guys to review. I think that's a long time coming for your show, isn't it? The Exorcist. 
you know, yeah, from... certainly uh, not had a chance to talk about um, mother sucking cocks in hell and some terrible scenes with crucifixes, but Ooh. we will cover that when we hit that show. <laughs> Boom! <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I've got to get this one out of the way, Dan, because I can just sort of hear you chomping in the bits here, mate. Because uh, so, what shit film have you watched this week? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so I got to get out of the way, man. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, I'm glad you did because um, you can blame Ricky for this one. Um, <laughs> I heard him review this film a long time ago, and I f- figured I'd check it out, and that's Hacko Lantern. What the f- <laughs> God. <laughs> God. <laughs> uh, which I kind of enjoyed. Um, it's kind of a low-budget, wannabe Halloween, as in Halloween with Mike Myers kind of movie. Uh, it's quite fun, actually. It's got a couple of different names, but I really like the name Hacko Lantern. I just figured yeah. any movie called Hacko Lantern... I'm definitely going to watch that. But I also did watch um, Two Lava, Two Lantula. Oh, my God. With uh, Steve Gutenberg, eh? <laughs> Steve Gutenberg. Michael Winslow as well. In fact, there's three members of the uh, Police Academy cast who were all in the original as well. So it's a sequel to Lava Lantula. And this time, Steve Gutenberg goes even more Steve Gutenberg. Um, and it's just a hell of a lot of fun. Um, it, I... I you know what more can i say steve guttenberg fighting giant tarantulas that have flames coming out of their mouth and at the end there's a giant one which he calls the gargantula deary mate jeez (laughs) well you know uh... we're we're still in 2020 guys so this uh, sort of shit could still happen can it wouldn't surprise me so do you know what i mean (laughs) squirrels with flamethrowers or something whatever it is you know Oh dear. So anyway, listen guys, whilst we're all here anyway, just quickly talk about this one. I know we've spoken all about it before, but whilst all three of us here, uh, Cobra Kai, let's just quickly have a chat about that. Rick, I know you're a massive... Oh yeah. Um, it's like, again, we're talking about the planets aligning. It's just everything we want, isn't it, really, as a 80s fans yeah. and everything, isn't it? So Incredibly spoiled. Yeah, if, if, you're, if, you're, if you're looking for that nostalgic feel this thing just <laughs> it's got it all over man it's it's laid it on the bed and slapped molasses on it man it's, <laughs> it's all over it so it, it's it's just fantastic and the reintroduction of the characters and it keep building the tension so it, it's it's the beauty of it it's, it's the same thing like mandalorian is for star wars fans right mm. now it, it's that way for just 80s fans because it's hitting all those high marks that you're looking for but it's also in a modern time and you gotta love the fact of the way that Johnny is still trapped in the past and that's still the mentality because newsflash everybody us old guys we still think that way (laughs) doing a podcast about 80 shows I Mm. mean there you go and uh, what caps it off though is when he walks outside when Johnny comes out of his apartment that day and he's wearing a zebra t-shirt and I was like that's it I, I gotta have this shirt man I was a huge zebra fan back in the day and and that just brought it all right back it just come gushing back in my head and I was like this could be the coolest TV show ever I was gonna say whatever what I like is whenever anyone asks Johnny why he's done anything questionable whether it's paint his car and Cobra Kai colors or anything slightly questionable his answer is always because it's badass yeah, and that's it. Right. <laughs> it's it's a solution to everything, isn't it? That word, you know what I mean? And uh, yeah, you're right, Rick. I I, I saw that um, zebra t-shirt, and I 
I didn't know who Zebra was. I knew it's a, a rock band, and I thought immediately straight away. I thought that's a Ricky Morgan shirt right there. Do you know what I mean? I could just oh, yeah. hear it before you even mentioned it. So uh, now it's good stuff, man. I like I say, I'm yeah. And the other thing I was going to say quickly with that show is that um, even people who are not '80s fans or didn't grow up in that time are fans of this. Do you know what I mean? They kind of get it. So my daughter. Yeah, is enjoying it. Even Becky, you know my missus, she's not a massive fan of the eighties, but she watched it and she loved it. So it's reaching out to everybody, you know. It's, it's, yeah. So it's good stuff, man. It does a good job of appealing to different generations. I yeah, because um, the newer, the younger yeah, kids will will like the kind of high school drama and the action. You know, us guys stuck in the middle, we love it all you know as we've discussed and then my dad you know when my dad starts phoning me up to say he's just watched the last two episodes and he wants to talk to me about, mm. about it you know it's all the generations are being touched there it's awesome you it's know awesome. it's really good yeah, really that's good. good stuff man so should we have a look at this film then guys should we go back to that that dirty old church in la um go and check it out oh yeah go and see what's going on down there with that green news so we'll play you guys a trailer and we'll see you soon Welcome back, guys. So the synopsis of this film is a research team finds a mysterious cylinder in a deserted church. If opened, it could mean the end of the world. It's got a 102-minute runtime. It came out in 1987. It's an R-rated movie, and it was directed by the legend himself, the guy that I talk about pretty much on every episode, even if it's non-horror-related, <laughs> John Carpenter. So, guys, uh, this movie, Rick, let's start with you, mate. Uh, what drive-in theatre did you go and watch this film in? 
Did you go and watch it? <laughs> <laughs> Dang, dude. Wow. I know you. I know you too. I know you too well, Rick. <laughs> Uh, this is this was a, a rental for sure, and this is, uh, oh, is you know just going to the local mom and pop shop, picking yeah. up the copy, taking it back, popping in, and going, "Wow, are we sure this isn't a Lucio Fulci film? Because it sure feels like one." Well, mm-hmm. like, oh yeah. <laughs> oh dear. Well, you say VHS. I think this film did a little bit better on VHS than it did actually at the theatre. I think I think John Carpenter yeah. said it, it. That's how it just, survived. Just like all of his run of movies at this point. Yeah, all of his definitely. movies that came out in, in the eighties, people just didn't catch it till later on. They just didn't understand, and and I don't know if it's just the way they were presented as far as trailers or what, but people just weren't going to see Carpenter movies in the theaters. But they just boomed when they when they hit the VHS. Mm-hmm. Well, I think Kirk, even Kurt Russell came out and said, I mean, I hate to say it because Kurt Russell is an absolute legend, but even he said, you know, VHS pretty much saved my career back in the 80s because it's where everybody was spending yeah. the money. And that's when people were getting, especially with Big Trouble in Little China, to say. Um, yeah. So, Dan, uh, how about yourself, mate? When did you uh, first see this movie? Was there any sort of was it late one for you or... Yeah, it was kind of later. I was probably, I was a fresh-faced, probably 18 or 19-year-old college, and there was a girl in my college group who was really into horror movies. She was the girl that lent me Demons, um, mm. you know, Night of the oh. Creeps. Yeah. Yeah. She she would she would give me all these tapes, and I was into horror, but there was a lot of stuff at that age I just hadn't heard about, it, and this was one of the ones. And I remember thinking, well, I know John Carpenter, and this doesn't, I didn't really like it too much in my first watch or two, mm. but yeah. as you watch it more and more, yeah. you realise what, what is going and just how clever it is and what i'd say about it is what i realized even just watching this yesterday ready to chat to you guys it's simultaneously very very john carpenter whilst also being completely different to anything else he's done mm. <clears throat> how he's done that i don't right. know but it's uh it's kind of like a nightmare this movie you know what dan that's a <laughs> you know what mate you've hit some really good points there that's exactly what this film's like and i'll be honest with you i, I wasn't a massive fan when i first watched it either i was kind of i don't know if it's because i watched it when i was about 18 so i was used to escape from new york and the thing and the fog and all those films have a main protagonist in it and the more i watch this film the more i respect it and what i like about it, i've heard a lot of people say the cast isn't right and it kind of isn't, it's a bit of a mismatch, but then I think if you look at this film, you look at the, it's about college students, isn't it? Like, that stumble yeah. upon the devil yeah. in a canister. And I'm just wondering whether that's, that is what makes this film scary. Could people who have no um, experience with anything else just say they, you know, they're scientists come across this and they're thinking, hell, I don't know what to do. Do you know what I mean? There's no sort of main protagonist yeah. like RJ or Snake is going to go, yeah, I'm going to deal with this. Because, you know, they've got like a military background. But these are guys that are just scientists, aren't they? Just thinking, really? hell, man, what the hell are we going to do with this? You yeah. Know, that's how you I took, kind of you, you took the cast from uh, Big Bang Theory and you threw them in, in a Lucille Falls yes. flick. I mean, that's, <laughs> yeah, Rick. That's kind of what <laughs> yeah. You, you know what, Rick? That's exactly... That's exactly it, man. Do you know what I mean? And I think that's kind of what makes this film, um, when you look at it from a different sort of angle, do you know what I mean? It's like... Um, but, there's, you know, it's... I think every time I watch this film, there is, you notice something different every time. 
uh, whether it's you know you got Alice Cooper yep. in this movie, you know, which is great yeah. itself, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? What other yep. film do you see Alice Cooper uh, killing somebody with a bicycle frame or whatever it is? You know what I mean? <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> I was a little disappointed in how little he actually acted in this movie too, because I was like, this is this is '87, so he had just had his big comeback with uh, you know Man Behind the Mask, with, yeah. you know the Friday the Thirteenth stuff. So this was him getting back into the, into the limelight. And I was like, wow, he really didn't do much. I mean, yeah, he got to stab a guy, but I, I don't know. I think, you know, when you hear Alice Cooper's going to be in a movie, you're like, okay, it's going to be like Monster Dog, right? Where he's going to be you know, <laughs> running around <laughs> fighting, <laughs> fighting a big monster dog. But, you know, no, he just, uh, he says, what, maybe two, three lines, and that's it. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> the, the prop, the bike that he used, that was on one of his stage shows, wasn't it, Rick? Uh, yes. He used that. Yep, um, sure I mean, you, you probably He's, know the story better than me. You go for it. Uh, just he, he had a set where the camera guy would come out like he was videotaping him, and he would run one of his mic stands through the the camera guy right there on Whoa. the stage, and it was this kind of the same same prop, you know. Amazing. It's rock and roll, man, isn't yeah. it? So yeah. Um, the other thing, <laughs> yeah. or maybe he really did kill the guy. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's well. There you go. That's 80s rock and roll as well, isn't it? You know. So, um, yeah. And the other thing to mention here is this: the budget of this film as well. It's a low budget movie um, because John Carpenter had a run of, unfortunately, films that are done well now, and they like Big Trouble in Little China. I think that flopped. I hate to say it, but it did. And then he's mm. kind of gone. I've had enough of the big studio, so he's gone to a live pictures which have funded this movie. And it's kind of like John Carpenter going back to horror. And I think he still had full control of this movie as well. Um, and I think he wrote it as well. You can really feel that. You can really feel that he was really in control. This is this is very, almost not personal, but there is a definite, definite his touch on this film more than any of some of his other films, perhaps. I feel the way the, way the scenes are set up, it, it's definitely him in control of this thing and and uh like i said I, you know i feel like he i know he's a big italian horror guy you know he, he loves argento and stuff and i really feel like he pulled from that that supernatural thing because it plays out like one of those one of the italian flicks that's why i keep saying fulci it it, it has that beyond kind of yep. feel to it but you put it in the carpenter world and you take like i said big bang theory guys and you make them fight a big uh, Sherwin Williams paint mixer, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's also it's not very linear. It's hard to sort of talk through from beginning to end this one because it's like a series of nightmare scenes all spliced yeah. together. And for me, it's almost like, and I noticed this more this time around. Obviously, we we have to talk about score as always. Mm. John, oh, yeah. his score. Yeah. But it's almost like he'd written this score and then edited the movie and directed the movie to the score because <laughs> does that does that make sense it's just like this long score yeah. with, with all these crazy nightmarish elements and scenes thrown in and you're just along for the ride like okay john i trust you take me down on this weird journey <laughs> you know i think rj rj was saying it earlier about how we really weren't into it like the first time you see no, it but no. even think about the setup of the movie because when it starts off, look how long those credits go in between oh, just no. scenes of people. I mean, you're just like, are we just filling the gap here? What's going on? But I think it pays into 
you know what what Dan was saying earlier about it's it's just like a one long nightmare, and it really feels like that. You're you're going through a sequence of these these nightmarish images, and even as odd as that opening is with the the credits in between the scenes, and it just keeps going. And it's like, man, we're eight minutes in, and we're just now seeing where John Carpenter's directing the dang thing. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the other thing here to mention in here as well, guys, it's quite important. It's something I overlooked when I first watched the movie. It's actually a loose remake of Quatermass in the Pit, uh, which yeah, Carpenter's done say. on purpose. Um, so the object, instead of being yeah. in an underground, which is, a, I'm a big fan of this 68 version one, which I reviewed, um, instead of it oh, being yeah. a vessel from space, which it kind of is, they get into that later on. Um, but then. Carpenter wrote this under the pseudonym of uh, Martin Quatermass, so he's obviously, you know, chucking that in there. Mm -hmm. So, as I said before, guys, the more you watch this film, the more you kind of go, oh yeah, there's that, and there's that, and it's typical with Carpenter, he's, (laughs) there's a little bit more about him than meets the eye, do you know what I mean, and I guess this film could be dissected the way the thing is in some ways, you know, to go over stuff. I love the cast. I love the cast as well because <clears throat> you've got like Donald Pleasance playing Donald Pleasance, really. Yep. You know, he's yep. still playing that kind of role. But <laughs> yeah, without a doubt. But mm-hmm. and, and Victor Wong really just plays Victor Wong. But then <laughs> like Dennis Dunn, <laughs> Dennis Dunn as Walter. He's, I just keep waiting for him to break out and do some martial arts. And he only at one point he does a little bit of um, yeah. fighting against one of the girls. But he's just like this really cool straight laced student. He's probably one of my favourite characters in this. Obviously, you know, Brian and his moustache are badass as well. We talk about him. Tom Atkins, so here's a guy that looks like Yeah, <laughs> that's what I was going to say. <laughs> oh, Rick, Rick, how about this, eh? Tom Atkins took his moustache off and gave it to Brian, the, the actor. Is it um, James? James, James Parker. Parker. Yeah. As soon as you put that moustache on, it's like he just got the charm of Tom Atkins. Because he's all over that. <laughs> that that woman in this isn't he? He's got he's got a bit of a oh yeah he's a bit yeah, he is. <laughs> he's got well, well he I've got to her. she says no yeah and then he next next thing there he's like come on let's go for dinner and she's like all right then and then they're waking up and he's like I've made you some coffee yeah. <laughs> it's because he's got Tom Atkins moustache yeah, on do you know what I mean <laughs> right because you know she's like it, it's one of those things where uh, I'll hate myself in the morning and he's like yeah but I won't come on over. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a minute, it's a little bit rapey, I must admit. And like you said, Dan, you know, Egg, Egg Chen is playing Egg Chen, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? He's just oh, I'm just waiting for him to put out his six demon bag, you know. That will come out no more. Boom. That's it. End of movie. Boom. That's it. This whole film, End of movie, um, yeah. This whole film could be finished with almost the opening scene from Big Trouble in Little China with him explaining what's just happened. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Tack that onto the end of this, change a few of the names. Because this is a guy that's, you know, he knows some serious shit. And nothing, nothing surprises him. Big, slimy vial full of devil juice. Yeah, mm. that's nothing to me. I, I know I know all about this. I'm, let's just deal with it. Yeah, that's it. There you go. That's it. Oh, man. And um, what's the other thing I was going to mention here with this? Oh, yeah, that's right. I think it's a really clever scene. I don't think I've seen it in anywhere else. Is that dream sequence at the end of, or during the movie? You know. Yeah. I don't think I've known anybody to ever capture... Because let's face it, I don't know about you guys. When you dream, you kind of... Before you even see something, you wake up, isn't it? And I think they've, he's done that. 
he's captured that what we dream in a movie and I thought it was very clever very very clever scene terrifying really Mm. chilling actually Um, and I got goosebumps every time that would come up and I've seen this movie you know probably a dozen times but every time that scene comes up there's something about that figure stood at the door and the voiceover the desperate sort of you know transmitting from the year one nine you know and you're just thinking what I like about this what's chilling about it is Mm. you're not never quite sure whether it's the devil aliens magic ghosts it's kind of all of it really and and like most John Carpenter movies, he leaves a lot of it up to you, to yep. your imagination, really. Whether you're, you know, whatever it is you're afraid of, there's a little gap there for your imagination to jump in and go, yeah. I was going to say, and also adding to that, just the fact that it's shot on video. And yeah. you're taking a major movie here and you're reverting back to, it gives you that reality TV kind of feel to it, right? Or, or, oh, yeah. or snub film, whatever you want to call it. And I think, I don't remember ever seeing anything like that in a movie before. So it gave you this shot of realism in a movie that's really, you know, over your head. And just like Dan said, it it, it, it terrified me first time I saw this in this movie. The rest of the movie, I was like, yeah, okay. But you were always in the back of your mind. At the end of this movie, we're, we're going to find out something that we don't want to know with this, mm. with this video. And, uh, yeah, I mean, if there's one thing I took away from this movie, it is that video. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and when, it's when they all start realizing that they're all dreaming the same thing. That's mm. the bit for me where I'm like, yeah. oh, boy. Yeah. No, this isn't good. Yeah. yeah. No so I, I think uh, as much as this film does have its flaws with the casting, I think, which I've heard a lot of people say on other shows, um, We've said this all before. I think what John Carpenter's done here is he's brought something different to the table. He has shown us something different. Yep. And I think that's why this film works and why it works today. Is people people are watching this movie and going, yeah, there's, there's all these bits in it that make it great, which I've never seen in another horror movie. But like, perhaps maybe, like you say, Rick, the Italian genre, I think they delve into that just a little bit more, uh-huh. which is a good, really good point. Um, the only thing I would have done different with this film um, is I would have made it a little bit darker. I would have made it a little bit, you know, like The Fog. That film is incredible. Mm. A lot of it's shot yeah. at night time, isn't it? With smoke and a little bit of... I would have liked to have seen that as a little bit of an aesthetic. I think that would have worked a little bit better for this movie. Made the church a little bit more gothic and dark and creepy and stuff like that. So I think that probably would have worked better for this film. That's the only thing I would have changed. It's certainly um, Carpenter's most um, religious movie, I I think. You know, Mm. he really (coughs) touches on that stuff that we've seen in The Exorcist and even The Omen, you know, Rosemary's Baby. Stuff that was becoming popular again. Um, because those movies, you know, people, people, I'm always a little bit afraid. I'm not a religious person myself, you know, um, but I'm always a little bit afraid of these, these ancient texts uh, and yeah. rules. You, you think, well, not that I do, I don't know if I believe it, but I'm going to stick to some of these rules just in case. You know what I mean? Evil, evil dead, man. I mean, you know, we've oh, been, shit. hey, these, these old texts that don't mean anything, but look what it happens. Yeah, let's not mess around with that stuff. Yeah, let's not. <laughs> Yeah. Board, none of that I don't touch any of that stuff no way all I'd uh, say I don't yeah. usually bring that into my show as much as I don't no bring way. politics in but what I say is um, I am a man of the cross shall we say 
That's mm. what I believe in. Um, yeah. And these film, these type of movies scare the hell out of me because of that. Yeah. Because because of my faith. Sure. Because of my faith. I can't ever watch The Omen or yeah. The Exorcist. I just go, oh my god. For me, the way I am, I just think this could be real. Just with the yeah. context, that's all I'd say. Do you know what I mean? That's what scares sure. me the most. Do you know what I mean? Because of you know, you look at whether you believe it or not. There's a lot of we, we have got churches and. You could some, you know, whether you believe it or not, there's a god and there's a devil and there's all this sort of stuff. So, uh, when they make a horror movie like you, you reviewed with the Omen, Dan, there's a part of me mm. that goes, "Oh man, this shit could happen." Oh, you know what I mean? That's what scares oh, yeah. me the most. You know what I mean? And when I watch this, I think, "Oh, yeah, it could possibly think, find uh, something like that." Do you know I what think mean? that's where the casting comes into it because Carpenter here, you know, these mostly unknown cast, they're all supposed to be these highly intelligent students. Mm. They all abide by logic. And yet they're all completely, you know, this, this thing that we're investigating, this thing that we're, we're, you know, we're looking into, this is all real. This is real shit. They're just doing it as a normal job. Like they're working out any other mathematical equation. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and, right. you know, then like, there's times where they look at each other, like, this is pretty freaky, right? But yeah. let's just carry on anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's what, that's what makes it scary as well. You've got these like you haven't got any fanatics or anything. You've just got you know you've got a priest, but but other than that, it's all just straight laced people looking into this really yep. wacky scenario, really. And for me, as I said earlier, that's what makes it realistic. I think you could just have normal people. I'm say normal. I'm just saying people. Um, you know, from from a science lab with no other background but that and then they find this and they go oh my god how do we deal with this you know what I mean you know there's no RJ McCready's or Snake Plissken characters to step it up and that's kind of how right. this film rolls you know what I mean it's just yeah it's, it's like uh, in The Thing isn't it with Wilfred Brimley doing his autopsy and explaining as much as he can you know, this is this, yeah. this is that, this is now becoming that. And there's a little bit of a science behind it. And we all, as we all know, science generally is fact. Yeah. And that gives you that little bit of, ooh. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But at the same time, our big, I was going to say, when it comes down to it, though, everybody's main fear, if you admit it or not, everybody's fear is the unknown. We are scared mm -hmm. of what we don't know. Mm. So, and going back to what RJ was saying earlier about religion, because I'm, I'm, I'm religious as well. It's the reason the exorcist is so scary, because you're, you're dealing with the subject matter of, you know, if you do believe, then these things can happen. Yeah. If you believe in ghosts, so even if you're not religious, but you believe in the idea of ghosts and spirits, then you have to believe in some sort of afterworld. Yeah. that this is now you choose kind of what you think that is but that leads to a whole opening again of we're scared of what we don't understand uh the thing about the exorcist though is what's scary about it is it's scary to you as a kid and as a religious person but when you get older it's even scarier as a parent yeah. <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah and, that's right uh, yeah i think this movie plays this way too this is a movie that a a teen can't really sink their teeth into. I think the older you get, the more you dive into the story. And like like we're saying here, the fact that these are just everyday scientists that are researching this thing just like another project. And the further they get down the rabbit hole, the more and more freaked out they get. Then you're looking outside and you're seeing a bunch of beetles build up a dead dude and start oh. talking to you, which is another phenomenal <laughs> scene. Yeah. 
Should we talk about the bugs? There's a lot of bugs in this, isn't there? Yes. Yeah, there is. Yeah. And it... Again, it's that vulture thing, man. Mm. Yeah, I totally get that. What's the... Uh, is it cemetery, House by the Cemetery with all the bugs? Is it that one? Is that the one? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's loads of bugs in this. There's worms all over the windows. There's just the subtle here and there. There's bugs on back of TV screens and video screens. But then, like you said, Rick, there's that one scene where the guy's like, Hello! Hello. Oh man! <laughs> yeah, is it that that dude in the suit, isn't it? He says, I've, "I've got a message for you, and I don't think you're going to like yeah. it." <laughs> <laughs> dude, you carry on, man. Jesus. <laughs> pretty damn. He's pretty right about that. I um, don't yeah. like his message, and I don't like the way he delivers it. <laughs> It's like a, a, a Don Johnson-looking dude, like covered in bugs, type thing. It's just terrifying. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, you know what, guys? All of a sudden, look how many points we brought up with this film? Do you know what I mean? How many avenues you can go down? So, yeah. um, and it's typical of John Carpenter, isn't it? He makes a film, it doesn't do very well at the time, and then you zip to twenty twenty like now and I've seen a lot of people online you know on the social media bring this up a lot um, so what can yeah. I say you know there's, yeah. there's, there's hope for Ghost of Mars yet I guess <laughs> do you know what I mean <laughs> 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 or, yeah, or Ricky's t- favourite uh, Escape from LA oh man I'm just saying the only man. hope for that is the dumpster fire <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just thought I'd throw the one in there. So, um, should we have a look at this movie then, guys? Let's <laughs> go through. Yeah. <laughs> Not that we haven't already. Um, but Dan, do you want to do you want to uh, tell us about this movie, mate, with your uh, expertise, storytelling, mate? Well, I'll do my best. Like I say, it's a very difficult one to kind of um, tell the story mm. of. But um, you know, we've we've covered a lot of aspects already. But yeah, you've got these whole this whole bunch of students brought together under the wing of uh, Victor Wong, Professor Birak. Um, and they're basically brought together because Donald Pleasance, who's found a church, he's found a very sacred, <laughs> strange church with a green vial in it. I found it six times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> and uh, yeah, so basically they are all brought together. They're all very, almost a bit bored. A lot of them are annoyed that they're having to work the weekend. Mm. Um, especially Walter's very annoyed. Oh yeah, yeah, big time. Well, this is not on. That's it. I'm going to go see him now, wasn't it? <laughs> the girls are annoyed because they've all got to sleep in the same place together, and they're oh my god, look at these cots that we've got to sleep in. Mm. Um, a lot of coffee flowing, a lot of um, equipment, you know, laboratory equipment and videos and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And um, the more, like Ricky was saying just now, the more they delve into this, really, the more the more that it's starting to, it's not just nonsense. You know, there's a lot of science behind it. There's a lot of equations that they're, they're solving. They're, they're translating texts. And slowly but surely, this... Um, this green juice starts to suck in um i don't know how to describe it really it almost reaches out and moves objects it's drawing all the homeless from the area yeah. around the building almost like yeah. guardians like like damien in the omen with the rottweilers almost mm-hmm. these the homeless people are like the rottweilers they're kind of being drawn in um to the point that they 
they all one by one well not all of them but a few of them get infected with this physical um, liquid which is i guess the physical representation of the devil or or evil or or the anti-god as they call him at one point um and it just becomes a fight to the finish really um fight to the death for the for the last few guys it's so 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 hard to talk about this film because i was thinking this RJ. i was thinking you know i talk about mm-hmm. when we do when i come on the show i quite often will start at the beginning and end at the end but this is just a series of nightmarish scenes that build up and up and up and up and up until you don't really get too many practical effects until there's just one point where they just start kicking in, really. And that scene where Calder slits his own throat always yeah. just wins. It wins me. I'm always yep. like, whoa. Yep. It, it's taken a piece from all the genres, isn't it? When when I think about it now, we're talking about it now. It takes a piece from like The Exorcist and The Omen, doesn't it? So you've got the followers. A bit like the Rottweilers, the Protectors. And then you've got the homeless people who I thought were bloody scary, by the way, especially that woman, you know what I mean, who's outside the yeah. front and she talks to the yeah. priest. I thought, oh my God, she, yeah. she, she actually probably scares me the most, you know what I mean? Oh, dear mm. me. Um, and freaking Tom Atkins light, man, jumping down there in the middle of that alleyway. What's he doing? Like, what a freaking <laughs> idiot, man. <Yeah. laughs> That's the most pointless. But he jumps out and he's like, actually, I, I'm... Pull me back in. Yeah. That's what I do. <laughs> Why go out there in the first place? Has he never seen a horror movie before? Do you know what I mean? It's just, yeah. Let's go down an alleyway for that. Um, yeah, I know what you mean, Dan. I think um, what you're saying there, funny enough, uh, John Carpenter kind of done that on purpose with his directing. Um, what you're saying there, it's difficult to try and get from A to B here with so many things going on, but I think John Carpenter did that on purpose. I think I read that somewhere in a book or something like that with this movie. So, um, certainly um, a lot of, for, yeah. such, and for, for one building, you know, and it's quite a big building, but for one building, they all slowly drift apart from each other physically, but also, you know, being on from being on the same team as well. And people yeah. go missing or get yeah. killed, and the others don't know where they are. There's that whole scene where Walter's trapped in a cupboard and they're trying to smash the wall through to get to him. Yep. Uh, and, he, and he's yeah. witnessing Kelly, yep. who's got this like massive stomach full of demon juice I guess oh. and the other thing here uh, Dan and Rick you probably appreciate this the the character Kelly who turns into the sort of demon her skin all go that's pretty gnarly by the way um, that symbol is oh, a yeah. it's a blue oyster cult symbol from the album apparently yep. so Absolutely. Uh, it's a little yep. bit of oh really yeah, yeah. What, the, yeah. the bruise on her it's arm it's like the cross and it's got the the anchor yeah. or something yeah. on the it's, bottom. It, yeah. Even the, yeah, it's got like an anchor on the top, and then it's kind of a cross as well. Mm. Yeah, and that's that's that uh, again. I, I know I keep wearing this out, but you know, go back and watch the Beyond mm. by, by Fulci because there's so much stuff in it. Because it's it's got the symbolism, you know, the Book of Ebon and all these things that that tie into exactly to what's yeah. happening in this movie. So a lot of similarities but yeah man i caught that too i was like wow um i love when uh you know you can tie a little mystique into something i'm sure the band was like hey look at that we just got extra brownie <laughs> points from john carpenter so well he loves his uh, music you know so the thing about you know, you know chuck this in there oh as well. yeah the thing about this movie is 
you you almost want to call it a slow burn mm. because it takes 45 minutes before anything really happens and then when it does happen it doesn't stop mm-hmm. and i think that's the problem again of of sitting through this is just the whole character development because not only do you have the one group that's with egg in you've got this whole <laughs> other group that comes in i guess because you just need more bodies to, to to die later on yeah yeah but it just takes so long for it to set that up but after it does it just starts beating you over the head with a hammer non-stop so yeah um when you mentioned bodies there rick it was seven people get infected and they're to resemble the seven deadly sins so ah, that's four about as well yeah so there you go that's not just by any sort of mistake or anything like that that or it's not a coincidence it's Done on purpose, I guess. You know, so they fall back. And, and obviously, just just before Calder slits his own throat, he's mm. sort of singing "Amazing Grace" in a very creepy yeah. way. Yeah, that seems yeah. so freaky, man. Yeah. When he's walking up the stairs and he's sort of amazing mm. grace, and then yeah. next thing you know, <laughs> yeah, wow. And as I mentioned earlier, could have so- found a little better utensil though to do that with. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, of course, you've got the isolation here as well, haven't you? Which is, you know, typical John Carpenter with uh, Salt and Precinct 13, isn't it? And, obviously, the thing, and I suppose yeah. in the fog in some ways, but as we mentioned earlier, on all those, like, Precinct 13, even the thing, um, RJ figures out that we've got to burn this thing, and we've got to do this, and we've got to do the Petri dish. And Salt and Precinct 13, we've got to team up, and we've got to they work through this together. So they have a, they work it out, don't they, in the other movies. But in this... Everybody's running around going, oh, I have no idea. Do you know what I mean? I don't know what to do. Yeah, what they, the hell do we do? They don't do you know, know what I mean? whether they should try and leave. Because mm. initially, they obviously all locked themselves in on purpose, so, yeah. you know, as in as in to do the project. But then they end up physically locking themselves within rooms. Then they want to try and get out and realize they're barricaded within the entire building. So, yeah, there's isolation on purpose. And yeah. then and they have no choice but to be locked in towards the end of it. Um it's it's just a really strange film and i think a really underrated not just an underrated yep. john carpenter film because people will often give you their top five john carpenter movies mm. it's not often you hear this one mentioned in it but i do think it's a very underrated john carpenter film but also a very unrated just horror movie generally really it's yeah it's hard to i think you do it's one of those ones and not everyone's got the patience to do it it's one of those ones you've probably got to watch half a dozen times to really appreciate yeah, um, give it some time because I say yeah. it's, it's it's not a, it's not a fight movie; it's a flight movie. People are running away. People are, you know, barricading themselves up. And um, but then, like I say, as it, as it goes along, there's a great sequence here, isn't there? Where predominantly, I suppose, Donald Pleasance, if there is one protagonist in this movie, it's him. He's like that slow burn character, and he, him, and um, oh, what's her name? Not Kelly, is it? She's the one who gets possessed. Um, oh, uh, Catherine. Catherine, yeah. So predominantly, Catherine and uh, Donald Pleasance—they ultimately sort it out, don't they? Because Donald Pleasance realizes there's the mirror, isn't there? And obviously, the devil comes out through the mirror, doesn't he? With that real gnarly hand, which is a great mm. scene. And then obviously, it's the smash the mirror, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> to ultimately get rid of the yeah. evil, which I think mirrors do have something to do with that as well. In either the ancients or again you know if you start bringing up 
uh, Edgar Allan Poe and things like sure. that. I think it's got something to do with that. Can, even Candyman, you know, Candyman has that whole mirror thing about it as yes. well. You know, there's definitely something yeah. about mirrors that's creepy, isn't there? You know, they've got the whole um, uh, Bloody Mary. That was the whole that Candyman was based on that urban legend about reciting Bloody Mary in the mirror several times. <laughs> mirrors are definitely creepy. Um, you know, it's been said over years they'll steal your soul if you do something different in a mirror. You get seven years bad luck from a mirror. Yeah. Um, and that's one aspect of this I really like is we talked about it, but when Kelly's got all that makeup on and she just looks all mm. rossed, yeah. her eyes are incredible. And she's sort of reaching out saying, Father, with her hands sticking out. Yeah. And when you, when she goes in the mirror, you think, holy shit, like, wow, what, what is this another dimension? Is this is John Carpenter taking even another, you know, an interdimensional yeah. part of the yeah. story now? What's going on? Basically, love it. She reaches it, in and pulls Kurt. She reaches in and pulls Kurt, Kurt Russell out of Stargate. <laughs> <laughs> Semi regards to King Tut. Bang! Boom! <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Oh man. But I, I guess when I think when I'm talking to about talking to you guys about this now, I guess you mentioned the Evil Dead, didn't you? And that's quite a good one to bring up here yeah. because basically this film is the first. And second act to the Evil Dead. So you've got the first act where the guys find something yep. in the cabin. And then you've got the second act where they're being abused by the evil. Particularly Ash. You know, mm-hmm. he's like... Because Ash in that movie in the second act, he does not know what the hell to do, does he? And then this film finishes on that second act. But in the third act to the Evil Dead, Ash goes proper, you know, groovy, chainsaw. Yep. And he deals with it. Yep. But... That's what's missing from this film, which is very clever, isn't it? You just don't see that part of it. And what does Ash reason. have trouble with? What does mm. Ash have trouble with in all three Evil Dead movies? Mirrors. Yep. Yeah. Oh, that, yeah, he does. There indeed, you go. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that's it. So, <laughs> give me some sugar, uh, baby. And the ending of this movie is just, it's again, like you say, uh, RJ, it just, mm. it kind of ends where we would expect, um, you know, another act, but. Nope, that's it. Bleak ending. Sorry, yeah. guys. There is no happy ending here at all. Mm. You know. And, and we're subjected to that nightmare sequence yet again. And, and this time we find out who the figure is. It's like, oh, for yeah. God's sake. Yeah. Come on. And this is another thing. Yes, yeah, exactly, Dan. And this is a mechanic that I've only come to realise doing podcasts and watching films is directors will only give you a first or second act very cleverly in a movie and some people who watch films will overlook that and I think we only we, we, we picked up on that when we did Unbreakable because that's only yeah. like you only get the first act and this one gets you to the second so sometimes all, you have all three but yeah there's definitely mechanics in filmmaking and I think this is one of them I mean so does the devil win is that what this is ultimately you know? I would say yes yeah because it's he hasn't that, gone away is he and going back to my last show where we covered The Omen and Rosie's mm. Baby, Gav and I both realised the devil wins in both of those movies as well. Yeah. And that's, well, that's where that, they stand out. If, if you're, you know, again, with, with the religion thing, there is no stopping the devil until the end of times. So yeah. up until that happens, he, he, you know, he reigns free. I mean, that's kind of what the whole end of days thing is all about is mm. finally putting a stop to that and calling your children home and you know that's uh yeah there there is no defeating there's defeating for the moment 
you win the fight but not the world kind of thing you yeah. know yeah. Well, victor wong says at one point there is no light without dark there is no dark without light it's that whole right. and yeah. so yeah you're right yeah i guess it's there's just no stopping it really because if you stop him you have to stop everything um yeah. you know and i think so. john carpenter looks at things from that perspective and he he ends it on the darker note because you never know when somebody needs a sequel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's more to do with that. But um, yeah, that's that is a signature John Carpenter, isn't it? At the end, he just leaves it open. Because I think I've heard, I think I've yeah. said this before. I think John Carpenter said because life doesn't finish. That's why my movies end like that. You know, same with uh, They Live or Big Trouble. Even do you know what I mean? It's just it's just left yeah. open at the end. And, and life certainly doesn't end with a happy ending either you know it's not always a happy ending sometimes right. um, yeah and what I, you- I was just gonna say i think this is where this film succeeds because the ending just leave it certainly left me thinking Ugh! you know what i mean that bit where he wakes up and you know she's oh, yeah. sleeping next to him on the bed and you think oh god you know it's just creepy as hell man that one last jump scare yeah yeah what do you guys think of the the effects throughout I think the I think the container, and uh, according to nowadays, I think back in the day it looked pretty cool. Now the container kind of looks a little eh, to me. But overall, as far as I mean, come on, man, that that beetle dude, yeah. beetle dude, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> beetle dude, beetle dude, beetle dude. Don't say it three um, times, Rick. Don't say it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know how can you not be amazed by that? Uh, yeah, uh, the the again the the spitting the the you know the vowel stuff out of the mouth and it's just a straight line <laughs> kind mm. of trajectory. Again, so Italian, man. I, you know, I can tell he he pulled from a lot of sources on this. Uh, I don't know, man. I think the effects, for the most part, still hold up really, really good. I agree. I think the I actually think the vat, apart from the upside down dripping, which is you know an easy effect, but I actually think the vat itself looks incredible. It's very unique. Yeah. That green color swirling because green isn't a color you really associate with the devil. Um, you know, red is obviously the color color mm, most people say. Yeah. The fact that it's green, yeah. it gives it this. And they talk about like the prebiotic and all this kind of technical jargon with it. And you think, well, yeah, maybe because slime is traditionally green, so maybe this is like this green slime that's come from the middle of the earth. Yeah, and that's where the devil's been living this whole time, you know, in hell, which is down below in the middle of the earth. I don't know, you know, it's it's crazy. I, I love the way the bat looks, but my yeah. favorite effect is this, and we've talked about it already. But it's mm. Kelly, the way she looks for the last sort of yeah. ten, fifteen yeah. minutes of the movie. She's terrifying. Mm. Her bright yeah. blue eyes, um, really well cast, and she does a great job of of being really scary. I think she's really underrated, um, you know, scary villain in a, in a movie. Yeah. I just love yeah. the way she looks. She's uh, carrying the vessel of Satan, I think, isn't it? That's why her body's starting to melt because it just can't contain it. Um, but going back to that, uh, that, um, Dan, the cylinder, the green, I think that's like a little homage to, you know, with uh, the exorcist because she, she uh, yeah. spews out green vomit, doesn't she? I am. And also, it's only where I've reviewed it recently, uh, Quake Mass in the Pit. So the demons are green, and yeah. they've got all green goo. So I, I don't know, it's just maybe, perhaps maybe an Easter egg or something like that to that movie. Yeah, maybe. Sure, maybe. Um, sure. I think it's very possible. For sure. Uh, all in all, guys, I think it's safe to say that John Carpenter actually brought something different to the table, which I know, Rick, you're a big fan of. I know you've heard you mention this before, you know, mm-hmm. bring me something different. 
I don't want to see something I've already seen. Right. And I think that's where this film gets a really big thumbs up. Do you know what I mean? Whether you like it or not, it's just... There's, there's, I mean, look how much we've spoken about in this film, you know, points and... Right. Uh, you know, it, it's kind of done, it's done its job in a way. Say it is a thought-provoking film, and that's that's what you want to walk away with. It's, it's neat, you know, to see the cool effects and stuff, but you walk away thinking and trying to process what it is you've seen, mm. and you start piecing it together. To me, that's good movie-making when you leave yeah. and you're dissecting it yourself and going... Yeah, I mean, just like just like we talked about with, you know, why is it green? Well, you start going through all the reasons of why, and we've all got different perspectives of it, and that's that's the magic of Carpenter. Mm. That's why people talk about his movies so long after, yeah. considering that all of his movies really are considered flops initially, or they didn't make enough money if a studio under a studio's eye. But we do talk about them 30, 40 years later because, because they – he's almost – He's like a slow burn director in that some of his movies, yes, they're slow burn, but also he's almost makes these movies knowing that in 40 years time, there's enough in them, enough content in them. That people will still be picking it apart. And Gav and I recently reviewed um, They Live mm. and we were mm. saying how relevant that movie is even yeah. now, really, with everything oh, that's yeah. going on. It was like, wow, is, yeah. is, is he some kind of a prophet? Like, yeah. how does he know that these films are going to be? talked about even 40 years 50 years you know in 100 years will people look at they live and say wow that movie was made even 30 or 40 years before any of that other stuff was going on but it's all referenced in that film it's just, it's something special about john carpenter movies mm -hmm. definitely something special yeah they've certainly got subliminal messages in them haven't they you know even with uh, escape from new york you know the guy who's kind of been screwed over by the system do you know what i mean he's a good guy Ultimately, but he's been sort of fucked over. So yeah, he's yeah. He's, he's a very clever he's a very clever guy, JC. He's, he kind of you know he's he set out some blueprints, isn't he, for cinema? And I think that's why hell I bring him up so so much. You know, <laughs> pretty and much I think every show. Well, as much as we'd all love to see him make another movie, I don't know if he could bring anything more right. now. I feel like he's committed so much to you know film to horror film especially that uh, and it's still being dissected i just don't think i think he's kind of he only had a limited amount of genius and it's kind of done and i would l always love to see him do something else but i'd be worried well, you know that it wouldn't mm. touch this magic look look at what we're talking about here because you know to me it's always about there's a there's a period with all these great iconic directors we talk about is they had a period where they had something to say. Yeah. And I think that comes through these films. Wes Craven, John Carpenter, Argento, all these guys had a moment that are, here's here's your four or five movies that are what makes this person great. And then they kind of get past that point. Even Romero. I think mm -hmm. about you know the, the original trilogies and Crazy and Martin and all these incredible movies that have such a story to tell they may not be executed at, at the best level because of you know not having enough budget to do it but they had something to say and then later on look at the later movies of carpenter west craven Argento. Mm. argento wow yeah uh mm. <laughs> you know it, it, it's no longer there no. and mm. maybe carpenter has kind of looked at the other ones and go you know what i don't want that for me mm. i'll just stop right here kind of where i'm at 
and yeah. let the legend live on. You know, it's kind of like Led Zeppelin. They had a chance to get back together, but they knew they couldn't recreate the 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 uh, yeah folklore of what they were. <laughs> yeah. So mm-hmm. why ruin that legend? And I heard Tarantino say this actually, Rick. He was being interviewed <clears throat> about a year or so ago, and he was saying, "I've only got another movie or two in me." Mm-hmm. I'm. He's, he considers yeah. it to be like um, a boxer. He thinks you have a limited yeah. amount of your career. You have all your great prize fights, and then you yeah you're throwing the towel. You quit while you're ahead. And Tarantino said yeah. he thinks he'll make another movie or two, and then he'll step away, knowing that he's made. 20 30 years worth of awesome movies that's it you know and i think there is something to be said for that and it we can even attach this to tv shows that or something that outrun you know outstay their welcome you know sometimes we only need one show or two shows Mm -hmm. uh two seasons of something you know or even movies where they turn it into a trilogy do we even need a sequel sometimes sometimes you don't need a sequel you just need one hellraiser I walked out of the first movie going, classic. I mean, I, I was just absolutely blown away by the first one. I said, leave it alone. No sequels, even though I do like part two. But look what it became, right? I mean, I'm just like, you have got to be kidding me, man. I mean, Sorry, Rich. Sorry. leave it alone. Let it be a classic. I'm glad you brought up Tarantino because yeah. to me, Carpenter is what, so much of what we love about Tarantino is Carpenter was doing it first because mm. Carpenter was taking all these great ideas that he pulled from other sources and made it his own, which is exactly what Tarantino does. Yeah. Yeah. And Carpenter was just doing it first. And we just don't realize that, you know, that's what Carpenter was doing. And Tarantino just kind of followed that, that standard. Yeah. Great. Well, I was just totally. going to say, uh, guys, you know, when a franchise should end, when the main character, whether it's Hellraiser or Jason ends up in space, I'm just saying, do you know what I mean? Leprechaun. Leprechaun. Yeah, there you go, man. Ricky, from what, following on what you were saying, Rick, as well, Carpenter is a punk. He's a punk at heart. Yep. And, you see that in these movies and, and punk had its place, you know, the music yep. or, mm. or the whole iconic, you know, what the, the whole being a punk, you know, whether that was music, film, art, it had its place. And, and there are still elements of punks around now, but I think that was it. You know, you, you do what you want to do for 25 years or so. You don't give a shit about what anybody else says. Carpenter's never given a shit about what anyone else thinks. He just makes what he wants to make, yeah. and that's it. You know, and and he's a grumpy old git. Mm-hmm. We love him for that. Uh, you know, and but but he wouldn't make a film that he didn't want to make. He wouldn't write a film. He wouldn't do the, do the score of a film. If he right. wanted to do it, he'd commit to it totally. And you feel his heart and soul and everything that he's done. Maybe not in Ghosts of Mars and. Um, right. that other movie with Kurt Russell about LA, let's forget about that. But, yeah. <laughs> but, but you know, and you could feel like the studio a little bit in those movies. But when he was allowed to just be himself, punk man, punk, yeah, great point. The only thing I'll yeah. defend Ghost of Mars with when I watched it is there's still something he did that was different just for Ghost of Mars is when you actually kill the baddies, their spirit comes out and tries to possess you. And I was thinking, that's a great idea, do you know what I mean, when I watched it. But that's about it with that movie, yeah, no, do you know what I mean? But it's just that's it's very got, clever. It's got a, I've got a soft spot for that movie mm. in some ways. Um, yeah, so I actually want to revisit it. 
I, I want to revisit it because it's been a long time since I've seen it, and I've always wanted to go back and pull it back out and check it out. And I will admit, up here on my DVD shelf, yeah, there is a couple of copy of Escape from L.A. <laughs> uh, and I guess I bought it hoping that I would watch it again and it would be different, but it's not. <laughs> <laughs> It's got Bruce Campbell in it, and that's about it. Hey, Rick, we all, we're all vets. And, and, and you're talking about hyped, man, when I heard Kurt Russell and Bruce Campbell in the oh, same I movie? Saying, I was saying, <laughs> I thought, yeah. Yeah, Rick, I do that, I do that sometimes. I keep watching something. You think, if I keep watching it, maybe it might get better, but it hasn't happened. Eventually it'll get good. <laughs> hey, guys. You know, I'm the guy that watches all the goddamn Stephen Guttenberg shark avalanche oh, movies. You know, I'm the worst one when it comes to that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the thing with Carpenter, just as a sort of roundup here, guys, is the legacy of John Carpenter. And I think that's how it will work for him to move forward. Not necessarily for him to make more movies, but for other people to go, I'm going to make a movie that's going to have a John Carpenter influence over it, such as uh, the VFW film that we watched, Dan. You know, the one we hell were talking yeah, about. Yeah. Uh, it's probably the best John Carpenter film I've seen that's not directed by Carpenter, but someone's obviously gone, I want to make a Carpenter movie, and they've done it right. So I think that's the future for him. I think it's just like being yeah. in the kitchen, and you're cooking something up, and you get the old John Carpenter spice, and you just sprinkle it on there, and you just go, oh, yeah, whether it's music or little Easter eggs or and something like that, do you know what I mean? That's the sign of a good director, because Rick mm. said it a couple of times, you know, Fulci yeah. elements. Yes. Well, now, yeah. Nowadays, we're saying there's John Carpenter elements. You yes, know? absolutely. Yeah. And in the future, we'll be saying, and already, I've, I've watched movies recently. Um, I can't remember his name now, but the director of Drag to Cost Concrete, he has a real Tarantino yes. vibe yeah. um, to his movies. Um, yeah. And we're already saying, you know, oh, there's a real Tarantino vibe to that movie, and it's not a Tarantino film. So that's the sign of a, of the legacy, right. as you said, yeah. RJ, of a good yeah, director, so you know. I think that's where it sort of rounds up to now. But um, yeah, no, great guys. Um, yeah, it's... I decided to put a giant praying menace in my movie about Bigfoot because I'm an Argento fan. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Oh man! <laughs> oh dear. Well, thank you guys. Thanks for uh, coming on the show today. Uh, is there anything more? I think we've really dissected this movie. Do you know what I mean? In a really good way. And as I said earlier, I think it's a testament to Prince of Darkness. Do you know what I mean? It's, there's a lot going on in there, so it's definitely worth one checking out. What, what I would say to your listeners is, obviously, we haven't gone from A to A to B, you know, or A to Z almost, or Z. Um, we've just kind of picked, picked at this film, really, because it's so hard to... It's hard to swallow the first couple of times you watch it, really. Uh, you've got to really... If you've not seen it, what I would say to any of your listeners is, if you haven't seen this, mm. you've got to watch this. Go in with an open mind and be prepared maybe for a second watch later on down the line, because it's not a straightforward film, and it's very, very different. Yeah. Very different. Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah, but like you say, Dan, I think that's, again, the format of all of us, isn't it, when we do a podcast or whatever. Yeah. You, you kind of make it up as you go along. Do you know what I mean? Some movies do that. You know, some some movies you can get from point A to B, and this one, in a funny way, it's like you say, you don't know how to. But there you go. That's uh, yeah. That's that's where we've ended up with this movie. Yeah, it, you know? If you like, if you like art house type films that turn into straight up horror, by the time you get to the end of it, I think this is your kind of flick. Yeah. You know, it's it's uh, like I said, it it takes a while. The, the character development kind of drags on a little longer than it has to, but it pays off at the end. Mm -hmm. And don't expect Donald Pleasance to be 
uh, crazy Donald Pleasance because he gets a little crazy towards the end, but he's he's pretty yeah. calm for the majority of this. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't sort of run around saying six times. Um, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. He doesn't have a monkey with a straight razor running around or anything like that either. So. The only other- and he doesn't <laughs> fire his machine gun at the end of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there you go, guys. I think I'll, what I'll do is I'll leave it on Donald Pleasance because that is always a high note in any sort of movie with him in it. The guy's an absolute yes, legend. Yes, leave so. it with Donald Pleasance. Yeah. Always, <laughs> always leave it with him. <laughs> oh, dear. All right, guys. Well, listen, um, Rick, I know we spoke about this beginning, man. So you've got, uh, was it Creep Show coming up on You Know What's Awesome? Yeah, Creep. Creep Show one and two yep. uh, will be coming out Tuesday, and oh, uh, we're having a blast on that show, man. I can't believe we're already thirty episodes in. And I'm oh, like, yeah. wow. how? Man. How did that happen? <laughs> really enjoying that show, Rick. Really yeah. enjoying it, buddy. It's, oh. Every time I listen, it's, it's just so much fun. Yeah, and I've... then on the demented side, Rad Movie Rama. I mean, it's just it, it's. I don't even know how to describe the show. It's just goofy. It's just me whacking off. <laughs> <laughs> That's hot. <laughs> <laughs> it's just pure goofiness, man. Uh, and yeah, so you know, there's a lot of things. It's just, just you know, if you're if you're if you're following Bat Size and if you're following podcast on Haunted Hill, you'll see my post. <laughs> well, check them out there. Oh, I say, Rick, I like what you did with uh, Court Sops on that show. <laughs> I don't know what you did, man. But <laughs> something weird. He, did. he poked the bat. I think that's what they're saying is he poked the bear. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. dude. He Cheers. wasn't happy. <laughs> oh, and Dan, what are you up to next, mate? I know you've got your, your 100 coming up, haven't you, for the next episode? Yeah, so, so. Um, 100. Sean of the Dad and Hot Fuzz. And like I say, we're going to be covering The Exorcist. We should be dropping our episode 101. It'll be a commentary right around Halloween. Yeah, um, I'm coming back on your show a couple of times. I think in the next few weeks as well. So, well, uh, pretty that's soon. Pretty exciting. Yeah, you've, you're coming back this week, aren't you? For uh, Gary Hill, who's <laughs> coming on board for yeah. Jason Six. Yeah, Jason lives, so that'd be good. The man behind the oh, mask. Yeah. Oh man, yeah, that's that one's so much fun. Yeah, so that's, that's, that's my favourite one. Oh my yeah, one. yeah. So I look forward to it's doing hard, that one. But- Part four and part six are the ones I kind of go back and forth on, but six is so much fun. Mm. Six is where it became a fran- where the franchise realized what it was. I feel like it feel right, like, yeah. They were like, yeah. yeah, we know what the fans want now. We know what the audience wants. Let's give it to them, and it just became a whole load of fun. And yeah. even went to space later on in the, the franchise, you know. Which is, <laughs> I've got to say, I quite enjoy that movie actually. I, I, yeah, I, I don't quite know, it's not it, half so. bad movie. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, listen, I think that's a good way to end the show with uh, Jason going to space. We've gone from Prince of Darkness to a canister in the church to Jason being in space with Leprechaun and every other Hellraiser character um, where they will eventually go. So, uh, yeah, cheers, guys. Thanks for coming on the show. Um, Loved it. Loved it. Yeah, real good. Um, as a bit of admin, guys, uh, for the show, I'm a proud member of the Legion Podcast Network, so please go and check out Ricky Morgan's ton of shows that he does. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and Dan I'm Bowen. sorry. Yeah, no, 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 man, I love it, man. It's just totally you, man. 
<laughs> and uh, Dan Bone and Gav's uh, podcast on Hornet Hill is soon to celebrate their uh, 100 episodes. So, yeah, go and check out all their stuff. Yeah. And um, if you want to listen to the show, uh, I'm on iTunes, I'm on Spotify, I'm on YouTube, and several other players in the internet. You put in bite sized cinema podcasts and Legion. And I've got a Facebook page where I'm most active, so post stuff on there, films you want me to take a look at, and comments and stuff like that, so we're having a good time on there. So uh, there you go, guys. Hope you enjoyed the show, and as always, keep it bite-sized, keep it safe, and look out for those green canisters in any old run-down church. See you later. show then make sure you check out the other great shows on the legion podcast network like cinema psyops cinema beef devour the podcast duncan and Bo come correct exploding heads horror movie podcast friday the 13th get slayed the hell Ming power hour hello this is the doom show hero hero ghost show kill the cast underwater kaiju from outer space jerry hates action legion after dark metal health obsessive cinema discourse Pick Six Movies, the podcast by The Cemetery, the podcast on Haunted Hill, the Psycho-Semantic Podcast, Rick Radio, House of Wax, Dude Looks Like the 80s, Rabbit and Red Radio, The Shadecast, Short Bus Cinema, Two Drink Minimum Commentaries, The VD Clinic, Who Will Survive Horror Podcast, and Which Versus the Doomsday Clock. With such a widespread of shows, there is guaranteed to be a niche for you to fall in love with. Horror, politics, movies, books, sex, music, commentaries, health, video games, kaiju, action, news, comedy, and opinions that would most likely get you killed in some parts of the world. We are proud to bring you some of the best podcasting in the world. Check us out at www.legionpodcast.com, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, and any other dark corner of the internet where podcasts can be found.